Welcome everyone to today's daily directional. These are navigational messages that help keep us pointed in the right direction. I'm Pastor Bethany, and I'm a learner, listener, and noticer of God. This podcast is a part of the Storytellers Collective. You can find us online at www.storytellerscollective.org. Well, hello, and welcome to week three of our daily directional. I hope you are gleaning and gaining helpful tidbits that keep you pointed towards Jesus and the way of his kingdom each and every day. This week, we are heading into James chapter two to see what we can discover about becoming mature, wise, and perseverant believers. We're focusing upon James chapter two, verses one through four today, and I will be reading them from the New International Version. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves? and become judges with evil thoughts. Okay, well, I mentioned back a couple of weeks ago that James is considered wisdom literature. It is the wisdom book of the New Testament. And often wisdom literature is written in poetry rather than prose. Now, James is definitely written in prose, but he does use a lot of poetic devices to express his ideas. He uses examples and uh, metaphors and similes. And when he mentions a particular subject or topic, he says something simple about it first or initially, and then he typically circles back around to that topic again later in another place, another section, another chapter. And with each return, he goes deeper into his explanation or the idea or the correction that he's trying to give. And this particular passage in chapter two is an expansion upon a few statements that James made back in chapter one. And we read those back in week one, but I didn't take the time to unpack them there. So I'm going to actually take us back to James chapter one, verses nine through 11, and I'm going to read them for you. And then we're going to unpack them a little bit before we head back into chapter two. James chapter one, verses nine through 11 say, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Now, I think the overarching theme that James is presenting in both of these passages, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, is humility. I think he's attempting to define it for the sake of the kingdom and to showcase it as a characteristic of godly, mature, complete, and righteous believers. It shows up as a status, however, as a designation of position, of power, and prestige, And in contrast with the way 
the world conceptualizes these same things. James is saying, hey, believers, there's a different way that God wants us to go about this. James is calling disciples to a new understanding of humility, one that happens to point us toward unity, equality, honor, and dignity for all people. One that doesn't distinguish a hierarchy of one person above or better than another. Now, since we just passed the Christmas season, I find that I still have Mary on my mind and reading through and talk of humility and humble status reminds me of some of her words in the Magnificat. That's the prayer of praise and thanksgiving that she pours out after Gabriel visits to tell her that she will carry God's son. Mary says in Luke chapter one, verse 52, God has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted those of low degree. A different translation says it this way, God has exalted those of humble circumstances. This feels like a foundational, upside down, tipping the scales move of God. He does things rightly and justly, and so often that is in contrast to what our natural inclinations expect. So here, even in sending his son, God flipped the balance of our expectations and of power. So James chapter 1 verse 9 through 10 says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. This happens to be another set of verses that have bothered me from time to time. James sort of does that, I guess, in some ways. And it's not the heart of the message that has ever confused me or concerned me, but actually the language in which it's placed. And brilliantly and beautifully, the study that I've done in preparation for you all and for this podcast has actually cleared up my issues and my questions. So hopefully it will release into you a peaceful place of understanding and absorption too. So believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Here are the things that bothered me. First, the shoulds and the oughts ought to take pride and should take pride. And then also the whole concept of pride. When James says that we ought to take pride, I I don't understand because aren't we told elsewhere in the Bible that pride is a vice and a stumbling block? Here are a couple of examples from the Old Testament. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And a second translation of that same verse is, When pride comes, then comes shame. See, that seems so negative. It is paired with that idea of wisdom and humility, just like James has. But in the proverb, pride is bad. (laughs) And in James, it seems like somehow pride is good. Then we have Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5 says, The Lord, that is Yahweh, God, detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. So in these places, in these verses, it seems obvious to me that pride is indeed a problem. So I looked up the original Hebrew word translated as pride in Proverbs, and it means what I thought it meant. It means pride, insolence, presumptuousness, and arrogance. The word presumptuous stood out to me in that study. And I found that in several older English translations, that is the word that's used instead of pride itself. And being presumptuous means overstepping the due bounds of courtesy and propriety. It is taking liberty 
outside of previously drawn boundaries. In other places in scripture, presumptuousness comes up in the context of worship. It's the wrongdoing of people who ignore the proper channels of worship. They step over the role and the authority of priests and they take unholy liberties before God. It's also used of false prophets who speak on behalf of the Lord deceitfully or deceptively. So what we learn from this is that the pride that we're warned against is one that chooses our own way, our thoughts, and our inclinations over God's way, his thoughts, his truth, his channels. This kind of pride is a self-reliance that says, I can do it my way, and I will. And that makes me think of parenting three and (laughs) four-year-olds. Me do it. My kids used to insist. So we don't want that kind of pride in our lives. That breeds shame. Shame is yucky. It sucks us down. It's not a place that anyone likes to dwell. And it's never a place that God takes us. So here you see and hear how it was bothering me. (laughs) Shame is the result of sin and pride and brokenness. It is a pit that God desires to lift us out of. It's a place he reaches down into and saves us from. A place that we sometimes find ourselves, but we don't have to stay if we're willing to humble ourselves and ask God for help. So I finished all of the study and realized James must mean something slightly different when he uses the word pride. So I looked more closely at his words. Now, in the New Testament, we're primarily dealing with the language of Greek, not Hebrew. So we are talking about different words with slightly different meanings. And we're considering these scriptures, both of them, all the New Testament in English, because that is the language that you and I speak. So when James says take pride, he actually, that could be translated as rejoice or find satisfaction or boast in. And my favorite translation is glory. So the phrase here in James, where he says that humble believers or believers in humble circumstances should take pride in their humility, it actually really means something like Humility is your glory, or humility is a glory. It's the instruction that humility is something to find contentment and satisfaction in. It's something that is praised and prized and good to the Lord. So then here just onto those shoulds and oughts that were bothering me too. I think this is a contemporary English problem and concept. Maybe. It's a form of boundaries that are brought in by modern conceptualizations, meanings, and psychology. And I feel like we know we're supposed to avoid the oughts and the shoulds. And that's another place where shame can creep in. And that is not of God. But it brings me comfort to know that the words should and ought, that kind of slant of pressing doesn't come from the original Greek from the original language. That's an additive that is brought into the text by English translators in order to help us understand the weightiness of humility's glory. I don't think it's supposed to have any connotations of shame or connections with that at all. Um, Like, it's bad if you don't. James is really just saying, humility is your glory. This is something to be rejoiced in. Okay, So past the obscurity of all those words and those little things that were sort of bothering me, and when we go beyond what is said about those who are humble, on the flip side, 
we have this other group of people that are labeled as the rich. So James says, the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. And this rich means those who are abounding in material resources. And this humiliation is different. That is not the same as the humility or the humble circumstances that are talked about before. This humiliation is actually a recognition of spiritual abasement. And that means that you feel depressed or they feel depressed. It's to lament a sense of moral littleness. That's according to Strong's definitions. So in this phrase in the Greek, there's not actually a repetition of the words to take pride. Again, that's just some, a clarification or something in English to help us understand. There's in Greek a reliance upon the phrase before to understand that implication, but those words aren't, aren't really there. So this is another time where I took the time to write out a slightly different English translation. And it makes far more sense to my tiny brain <laughs> to think about it like this. Those who rely upon their abundance of material possessions and resources feel depressed because they see that they will pass away like a wildflower. So believers in humble circumstances, your humility is your glory. But the rich, those who choose to rely upon the abundance of their material resources, face depression and spiritual smallness. We will all face the scorching heat of some pressured sun. And like wildflowers, those who rely upon what they have, rather than whose they are, will wither and die. But those who lean into their identity as Christ followers will endure. So hold on to your humility as shining, brilliant glory. It is a character trait that God appreciates and holds in high esteem. And those of us who find ourselves with material riches, well, let us lean into God and our identity in him as believers and disciples, leaving behind our dependence upon what we have and the status that we carry in the world. Help us to understand, Lord, that who we are in you means so much more and carries so much more weight of glory than what we have.